You're listening to the teaching ministry of Houston's First Baptist Church, a relevant biblical community. For more information, visit houstonsfirst.org. Digital family, welcome. Sienna, Cypress downtown as well, welcome. I want you to turn in your Bible, if you will, to 2 Timothy chapter 1. And I've got this amazing thing here before us because we're going to talk about guarding something that is important, guarding something that is special. Now, I love new churches. We help with church plants all over the country, all over the world. We love that. That's great. But we're an old church. And let me tell you what, there's a blessing of being an old church. Since 1841, we've been ministering in the city of Houston, and we've got all sorts of stuff that remind us that we're an old church. This is the safe that our church used in the early 1900s. Absolutely amazing. And so I did a little research on it. And so you got hand-painted here, if you could see it, First Baptist Church across the top here, hand-painted. And then you've got on these safes, the company that would do this would always do another hand-painted place here. And so we've got a little ship. Some of them are houses, some of them are other things. So we've got this safe here. We don't use it every day anymore, but we've got this safe that has been, it was in a, a room, just like in a mechanical room, and just had been forgotten about. And then I was talking about this message, like, I'd like to have a safe on stage. And somebody went, I've got the safe that's going to be the right one. So here we have this huge thing to get us ready to thinking about this, that God has given us something to guard. Now, last week we saw in verse 12 that we know whom we believed and he is able to guard what we have entrusted to him until that day. So last week was talking about the things that God is, we've entrusted to him to guard. And this today, we're going to see the things he's entrusted us to guard that are in the safe, that are things that we have to guard. Think of how important it is to guard and to protect something valuable. Now, we're going to see this here with amazing clarity as we jump into verse 13. So if you got your Bible, we're going to go 13 through 18, and we're going to take it one by one, and then at about 16, 15, we're going to jump in all three. Here we go, verse 13. Hold to the pattern of sound teaching that you heard from me. In the faith and the love that are in Christ Jesus. Hold to the pattern of sound teaching that you have heard from me in the faith and the love that are in Christ Jesus. The first thing that he tells us is this. Write it down in your listing guide. Keep to the pattern of sound teaching. So he's saying this to Timothy, who's a pastor in the church of Ephesus. He's a young man. He's a little bit afraid in a lot of ways, but he's got this heart for being able to share with his city of Ephesus. And Paul says with his last words, the last thing Paul's going to write is 2 Timothy, that I want you to teach with sound teaching. Now I'm going to give you a couple Greek words that are really good. This is the first one that I want to give you. This Greek word that is really good here, it's an amazing Greek word and it means this, of sound teaching means healthy words. I want you to give the people healthy words for their spirit. Now it's important that we understand sound teaching for this reason. Sound teaching comes from the scripture. It's a biblical teaching from the scripture. And I have to tell you about this because here's the deal. Unfortunately, there is not sound teaching everywhere. There's not sound teaching in every church. There's not sound teaching in every place. And I just want to tell you, if you're a guest and you're kind of shopping churches and you're wondering if our church is a church for you, hey, whatever God leads you is great. But I just want to give you this free of charge. Go to a church that teaches the Bible. And if the people don't bring the Bibles with them and the guy never opens the Bible and they never talk about the Bible and you get like a verse and then a whole lot of opinion, don't go there. 
Because sound teaching is what we need. And it needs to come from the scriptures, from the Bible. You don't need to know what Greg thinks. You need to know what God thinks. And to be able to tie into that and to find that these are the words of life. You know, for this is the inspired word of God. It's God breathed. It's sharper than any double-edged sword. The flowers may fade, the grass may wither, but the word of God will stand forever. So we want to stand on these things of sound teaching. So he says, I want you to have the pattern of sound teaching, not just once, not just every once in a while. I want it to be a pattern, Timothy, in your church, that there's just every time. And y'all know if you come here, you know what's going to happen. You know, when I come up here, it's we're going to hopefully, I hope you know, we're going to open up this word and we're going to teach out of this. And that's what's going to happen. And there's a pattern of that. You're not su- surprised like, oh, I can't believe somebody's teaching the Bible. What? I've never seen that before. That's been happening since 1841 in our church, since 1900 in our church here with, with even this safe of the pattern of sound teaching. So here's what I want to do to kind of model a pattern for us. Okay, you ready? This is crowd participation. So Sienna side downtown. You got to come along with us, digital family as well. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to do a little pattern. Let me show what our pattern's going to be, and then we're going to all do it together. You ready? Here's our pattern. Okay, ready? Do it with me. Can we do it? Let's go. Let's see if we can do it. Here we go. One, two, three. One more time. Let's keep going. This is fun. Got it? Now that's the pattern. You got it. You're like, okay, I got it. Now some of y'all I could tell don't have a beat because you're like, (laughs) you don't know what's going on. You know, I thought about we'd do like, but then everybody'd go, we will, we will rock you, right? So I know you'd get that one. So I changed it up a little bit, but there's a pattern. Now think about what happened right then is all over the city of Houston, from our Cypress campus to our Siena campus, which is 50 miles apart, to downtown, to the Loop, to the digital family all over the world. We were all on the same pattern of teaching, if you will, and we were on it. Now, if we caught off on it and one person's doing this, it's going to stick out. So Paul's saying, I want you to stick to the pattern of sound teaching so that we can know the Word of God. There's lots of words in here, but they're all healthy words. I want you to have the healthy words of God to be able to come through, not corrupted, not distorted, not diluted, not added to, not taken away from, but the Word of God, the Bible. So I want to encourage you, if you don't spend time each day reading the Bible, do that. Spend time. Just just turn to Matthew and read a chapter a day. Read a half a chapter a day, read a verse a day, read Proverbs a day, whatever. Just pick something besides Leviticus to start out in, okay? And just jump into something New Testament, read 2 Timothy. It's only four chapters that we can read together and you'll be ahead for next week in chapter two. So sound teaching. And when you don't hear sound teaching, go, hmm, what was wrong with that? Something's not settling in my spirit right. When you don't see the Bible open, ask, well, why is the Bible not open? What's going on with this? and to be able to understand Paul with Timothy. Now we get to the second verse here that we're gonna look at is verse 14, and here's what it says. Guard, that's our key word for the day, guard the good deposit through the Holy Spirit who lives in us. Guard with diligence what God has entrusted to us. Guard with diligence what God has entrusted to us. Verse 14, guard the good deposit through the Holy Spirit who lives in us. Now think about how we 
protect valuable things. Now, you may have something in your yard that it's a potted plant. You leave the basketball out. That no, no, the kids aren't playing with it anymore. You leave something. It doesn't really matter. But think about the things you put in the bank. Those are the valuable things that you guard and you guard what is valuable. Think of how many alarms we have. Think of how many uh, uh, locks we have. Think about this. Just get your mind around this. How many passwords do you have? I mean, I think I was like, 25 before I even knew of a password besides some secret knock as an eight-year-old to get into a club or something, right, in the neighborhood. Now we got so many passwords, we got apps to help us with our passwords. And so you end up with all these things that all these things of value and we're able to guard them. He says, I want you to guard what God has entrusted to us. Last week, we've entrusted God with something and he's guarding it. This week, he's giving us something that we're entrusted with and that we're guarding. So we've got the safe that we're guarding. This is to guard. This is a heavy, heavy thing to be able to guard against it being stolen. So our church used this for years and years and years. I guess we would put the offerings in it, you know, whatever important papers and documents in it. And so when we got this, we got it back out. I said, well, let's open it up. And they said, well, we don't know how to open it. I said, we got to open it. We got to find out what is in this safe. This is like a Geraldo moment right here that we have. And so they got the combination. We figured out the combination. They worked on it for a couple of hours and we opened it up. And do you know what was in this safe? absolutely nothing was in the safe. I was like, oh, we need like a gold bar from a pirate ship in the Galveston or something here, right? And I was like, well, what should we put in there? Well, you know, the most opened email in the history of our church was my wife's chocolate chip banana nut bread recipe. So we should put that in the safe, I think is what we should do. It's the most open email in the history of our church. No, no kidding. That was it. Everybody's like, I'm eating that. That was good. And you're like, you want it right now, don't you? That's good. But to be able, it was nothing in there, but that's okay. We're able to look. And so this from the 1900s, this beautiful, just antique safe. But what is God putting into the safe of our heart? He said that he's put the Holy Spirit in us. That the Holy Spirit, it says, lives in us. Now, I want you to get this. This is great theological thought. You need to know. The Holy Spirit does not come and go in the believer's life. The Holy Spirit's not just around the believer's life. When you trust Jesus Christ as your Savior, the Holy Spirit, it says in this verse I just read, lives in us. It's called the indwelling. It's not just the influence. It's the indwelling of the Holy Spirit of God. So last week I I told you about basically what's the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ. It can be seen in three ways. We saw it in verse 10, uh, uh, three uh, steps of of the gospel. Number one is Christmas. Jesus Christ came, God sent his only son. He lived a sinless life. Number two is Good Friday. He died on the cross, a sinless payment for me and you who have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And then he rose again on Easter to live for all of eternity at the right hand of the Father. So you and I realize that God has sent Jesus Christ on a rescue mission for us. We call it Christmas. He died on the cross for us. And we call that Good Friday. And we'll place our faith and trust in Jesus Christ. You died for me. You were sinless. I'm sinful. I'm making exchange for you at the cross, with you at the cross, so that I can be assured that I can step into heaven through the Easter of the resurrection of Jesus. That's the gospel. It's just that simple. Christmas. Good Friday and Easter. And the Holy Spirit, then when you trust Jesus as your Savior, He lives inside of you. 
So everywhere you go, he's there to convict and to guide and to, to comfort, and to give enlightenment. He lives inside of you. Now, it's important for us to realize because a lot of times we'll pray prayers that really aren't true. Now, I, I know what we mean. So I don't want to be too hard. I know what we mean. We'll pray like this. Lord, be with me. And God's like, hello, I am with you. I'll pray, and I, I've done it before, did it even today, just back here helping with, with not helping with worship, I part with my mic off as I worship, which you're glad about. And I'll pray oftentimes, I've done this for years, meet me there, Lord. Meet me there, right where I'm standing, meet me there. Now, do I really mean, do I really think God's like out in the lobby? And he's like, oh, okay, yeah, okay, I got, I'll meet you there. He's everywhere, he's omnipresent. Lord, fill this room. I've already filled this room. I've been filling this room before there was even a room here, right? At the creation, I was there. But I know what we mean. But do you see how you can kind of get a little off of like the Holy Spirit comes and goes, he meets his places, he's not placed. Now, sometimes God reveals himself in a gray way. We're like, whoa, we really sense it. But God is always with you as a believer because he lives inside of you. And he's placed, God has placed the Holy Spirit inside of you. And that is a game changer. That's a life changer. Because now you don't have to even pray with words. You can just, and he hears you because he's inside you and he knows you. And he said, this has been entrusted. The gospel has been entrusted in us, the good deposit through the Holy Spirit, that something's been put in the safe of your heart that changes everything. And you don't have to protect it on your own. You don't have to guard it on your own. You guard it through the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, let me tell you what, this is an exciting, amazing uh, Greek word here that we have on this as well. And what this Greek word is this, it's enokeo, enokeo, enoikeo actually. And what it means is the Holy Spirit is in-house. He's right there. Now think about that, in-house. So a big corporation would have an in-house general counsel or law, lawyers and law firm, if you will, in-house, they got their lawyers. Maybe they have their in-house HR, their in-house IT, their in-house culinary or, or food services. There's things that we don't go out to get. We got them right here in this corporation, right here in this building. We got these things that are in-house. We don't go out to get the Holy Spirit as believers. He's in-house is what the Greek word means. And that in-house Holy Spirit then helps you to guard the things that are value. So there is things of value actually in this safe. I, I put these in here. These are silver coins here in this safe. Uh, a little uh, a guy, he's a 13-year-old down the street from me. He's got a coin collection, goes to our church. And I asked, I said, can I borrow some of your coins to do this illustration? He said, sure, pastor. Just make sure you give them back. I'm like, well, maybe it's an offering unto the Lord. You never know. No. What's your kainos giving like? I don't, let me see right here. So this one here, 1878, a Morgan dollar from 1878. Isn't that amazing? Think about it. Somebody had this in their pocket and they spent it when a dollar was really worth something, right? And they could, this is what they had. This peace dollar from 1928, another Morgan dollar from 1900, one from 1880. I could just go through all of these things. So these are old, valuable coins, and God has given us things of value. Sorry. <laughs> they're, t they're strong too, though. If they made it this long, I mean, you know, what's going to happen now, right? 1880, we can do this. So here we have these valuable coins. Well, God has put something in the safe of your heart of the Holy Spirit. He lives inside of you, but he's also given you things of value of your family. He wants you to guard your family. 
in the truth of sound teaching. He's given you friendships. He wants you to guard. We'll see in a minute. Your friendships in the name of the Lord. He's given you a a place to serve and to, to have a vocation. Guard that with a great trust. He's given you a church. Guard the church. He's given you a, a spiritual gift. Guard your gift, Timothy. And all of these things together, he's saying, I want you to know I've got it in the safe. And this in the safe, you're never going to get it stolen because I got the Holy Spirit in your heart. You'll never lose your salvation. You'll never lose God's love. You'll never lose God's forgiveness. He's locked it down. It's in the safe, closed door, shut door, and no one can snatch you from my hand. And those are the same heart, that's the same heart that we say, and that's how I want my heart to be for for my Lord. And that's how I want my heart to be for the Bible. And that's how I want my heart to be for my family. And that's how I want my heart to be for my friends and my church and my giftedness and my impact. I want it to be immovable in this world that blows the wind every single direction. It changes all the time. The Holy Spirit is in-house, so we guard with diligence The Holy Spirit, here's your next point. The Holy Spirit lives in-house and guards the gospel. The Holy Spirit lives in-house and guards the gospel. What an amazing thing that the gospel through all of these years is still being taught. I mean, with all of the heresy, all of the false teaching, all of the, the, all of hell coming against it, that the gospel is still true. We still have this word of God. We still got this power. It's guarded by Christ. It's guarded. And, and we are able to guard these things as well. Let me just give you a few references in the Bible of guarding. First John chapter five, verse 21. Guard yourself from idols. First Thessalonians three, three. For now, uh, It says, he will establish you and guard you against the evil one. Jude 24, now him who is able to guard you from stumbling. 2 Peter 3, 17, take care and guard that you're not carried away with the error of lawless people and lose your own stability. 1 Timothy, we studied it last semester, 6.20. Oh, Timothy, guard the deposit entrusted in you. Philippians 4, 7, the peace of God will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Psalm 119, verse 9, How can a young man keep his way pure? By guarding it according to your word. I could go on and on and into the Old Testament with it, but do you see this guarding is there and the Holy Spirit for the believer lives in-house. It's in-house. He doesn't come and go. It's not based upon how great the worship set is or how good the message was. The Holy Spirit is inside the believer. And if you're not a believer in Christ, You're missing out on the gold and silver of heaven, the platinum of heaven, of the Holy Spirit living in your heart and life. So we're not talking about becoming a believer just so you can kind of do some different stuff on Sunday. We're talking about a relationship with God because Jesus came on Christmas, he died on Good Friday, he rose again on Easter, and he wants to live inside of you. And that changes everything because now your guide, your comfort, your hope, is in you at every turn and every time. How incredible is that? Ephesians 4, or excuse me, 1.14. In Christ, you also, when you heard the gospel of your salvation and believed in Christ, you were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit who is a guarantee of our eternal inheritance. So God seals us 
so that when that Easter comes, when our death comes, we have that Easter moment of resurrection. Now, let me give you, how is this all going to play out? Your last point, how's it all going to play out? It's going to be in verse 15 and 18. He's going to give us three people that I bet you've never heard of. Two of them are bad examples. One of them's a good example. So we want to be the one who's the good example, right? That's what we're yearning for. That's what we want to be. But he's going to give us two not so good, and he's going to give us one, yeah, this is the right guy. Look in verse 15, and here we go. You know that all of those in the providence of Asia, which is basically Turkey during those times, modern-day Turkey, have deserted me, including Phygelus and Hermonges. Those are bad examples. They deserted May the Lord grant mercy to the household of Onesiphorus. Notice it said household. I'll tell you that in a minute. He's the good guy. Why? Because he often refreshed me. Isn't that great? Isn't that a great friendship? Refreshed me and was not ashamed of my chains. On the contrary, when he was in Rome, he diligently searched for me and found me. May the Lord grant that he obtained mercy from him on that day, and you know very well how much he ministered in Ephesus. So here we have, let's take the first two that are kind of the bad examples first, and uh, Phygelus and Hermogenes, these two are given as bad examples. Paul says, they deserted me. They deserted me. Now, we don't know anything more in the Bible about these two than this little sentence right here. That's all we know. But scholars think that these guys possibly were leaders in the church. And that's why Paul brings them out and says, even these two, and everybody went, oh, deserted me. And so these two guys were close to Paul, possibly. We can't read it all in the scriptures, but that's what the scholars think. They were close to the church and they were leaders and then they deserted because the fire got a little too hot. And so they left. Now we do know this. In 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 10, I want you to notice I have this memorized. It's not something I'm reading. I want you to hear this. It says this. Another guy, it says, And Demas, having loved this present world, has deserted me and gone to Thessalonica. Why have I memorized that verse and had it memorized for decades? Because I know in my heart I can love this present world. And I don't want to desert him and go to Thessalonica. Demas, his name means popular. I'll give you a whole message on Demas in a couple months. And to be able to say he's deserted and gone to Thessalonica. He went with the popular crew. He went to the place where it was all happened. And he deserted Paul. And the last words about Demas are that he deserted. The last words about these two guys are they deserted. But there's a word about a guy we never heard of called, heard of called Onesiphorus. And he stayed and he was faithful. So I ask you this, will you be one that deserts or will you be one that stays faithful? And I got bad news for you. You are going to hear of Christians leaving the faith. And you're going to hear of Christian leaders doing terrible things, really leaving the faith of walking with Jesus. Do not be surprised. It's happening in AD 63 also. Here's what you do. You grieve. You pray. But you're not shaken. Because you know the power of the enemy is strong. And the winds of the world are great. And it could be me or it could be you that could love the present world. So we're going to stay strong in our faith of Jesus Christ, right? And we're going to say, we're going to be the refreshers. We're not going to be the deserters. We're going to be the refreshers. And this gentleman is a refresher. It says, he went and looked for me when, we were in, when I was in Rome. Can you imagine? Paul's in prison in Rome. And it's not a good prison. It's the Mamertine prison. I'll tell you more about that later on in other messages. It's a terrible, dank hole of a dungeon. 
And he's going to look for Paul. Do you know how dangerous it is to knock on doors and say, where's Paul? Where's Paul? Where's Paul? Where's Paul? Do you know how shameful it is to be numbered among a prisoner? And so Anisiphorus says, I don't care. Paul's my guy because I know Jesus and he's my brother in Christ. And I'm going to find Paul and I'm going to help Paul and I'm going to minister to Paul. And that's the kind of people we need to be. When someone goes through a hard time in your life, Bible study, you're the first phone call. You visit them at the hospital. You take them the food. You write them in the encouragement note. You put your arm around them when they fall in. And you say, in the grace of Christ, I want to love you and care for you. I want to be a refresher to you. Has anyone refreshed your soul? Oh, people have refreshed my soul to encourage us to be a refreshment to the next person. Are we going to be deserters? Are we going to be refreshers? We've put an, a, an application for you. I want everybody to grab. You got a postcard when you came in that says stand strong. So I want everybody to grab it. And I want you to wave it at me. So I know you're still alive and paying attention and listening. You had to fall asleep on me. Sienna Cypress downtown. Y'all wave it too. Digital family. You should have come to church. You got one of these? Okay. This is your application point for this point here. I want you to write an encouragement note to somebody inside the church, outside the church, inside your family, outside the family, whatever you pick. And you just write a note and say, you stand strong. This is a whole lot easier than going to the prison and visiting Paul and a whole lot less risky but let's this week have thousands of encouragement cards going out all over our city, all over our nation of saying to folks, hey, we just want to encourage you to stand strong. Who needs encouragement in your life right now? Who could you encourage at your business? Maybe they believe in Jesus. Maybe they don't. Everybody loves encouragement. Atheists love encouragement. Believers in Christ love encouragement because human beings love encouragement. One commentator said this, to care for a friend in prison by being present was considered one of the greatest demonstrations of friendship in antiquity, precisely because of the horrendous conditions of the prison and the shame that went along with being a prisoner. And Onesiphorus said, I'll be there, Paul. And then Paul says, not only was he in Rome, Timothy, you know, he was also in Ephesus. Did you see that last part of this chapter? He said he was also in Ephesus. Rome and Ephesus, you got to cross the water to get there. Rome, you had to worship Caesar or you could be killed. Ephesus, they wanted you to worship Diana. And as Sephora said, I'm worshiping Jesus and I'm encouraging Paul and I'm encouraging Timothy. I didn't share this in the previous service. I feel led to share it now. I remember when I was in high school, it was yearbook time and I don't know if people still do this, but we would all sign yearbooks of everybody and you pass them around, everybody would sign your yearbook. And there was a guy in one of my classes, I think it was a history class, and I was always nice to him and, and it was good. He was a nice guy, but he was a guy just, if I could just give you just this, this description without not giving you a big description, he was just really easy to pick on. He just was an easy target for people to pick on in our high school. And I didn't pick on him, I was just as just his friend, I went his best friend. I just was like, man, be, why can't we be nice to people, right? Well, because he wasn't cool. He didn't look like all the cool. Whatever. And I asked him to sign my yearbook in class. I said, hey, would you, would you sign my yearbook? He lit up. 
got out of his pen. She said, sure, yeah, yeah. And I wasn't one of the cool kids, so don't think that at all. Just a normal kid. And he signed my, he took thought and he signed the yearbook and he closed it with a smile and said, man, that's, that's great. Thanks for letting me sign your yearbook. And here's what hit me. I think I was the only person that asked him to sign my yearbook. I mean, how hard is that, students? To just be nice to somebody and ask them to sign their yearbook. It's an Onisiphorus type of thing to do. And that little encouragement, and I tried to find the yearbook so I could show you what he signed, and I was hoping it was going to be like, this is the greatest moment in my entire life, you know, <laughs> to make the illustration even better. I couldn't find the yearbook. I don't know. I need, maybe my mom's got it. Maybe, Mom, do you have it at your house? We need to find this yearbook. Um, we can't find it at our house, but somewhere I'm going to try to find it and see if I can find his signature. It's not that hard to encourage somebody, and it may mean the world to them, that you were just nice to them, especially students. Kids can be mean. But to be able to just say, I just want to encourage you to stand strong. Now, let me teach you one other thing about Onesiphorus. It said the household of Nisiphorus, okay? Didn't say his name. Did you see it? I tried to point it out to you, the household. I was going to say it later on in, the, in 2 Timothy, the household. We don't know. This is the only scripture we get. So we don't know biblically, but scholars think that it's to the household because Onesiphorus died a martyr's death for the gospel. So what he did is he said, there's something so precious in me. God has done something so great in me. He's put so much value of Paul, so much value of the gospel, so much value of Timothy, so much value of my church at Ephesus. He's put so much in that safe that, you know what? Here's the deal. I have found that this is the greatest thing. And Anisiphora stood in front of the gospel and guarded it. And possibly, we don't know from the Bible, but scholars say, and gave his life in a martyr's death said, I will guard this with my life because I'm not worshiping Caesar and I'm not worshiping at the temple of Diana in Ephesus. And you know, if all roads lead to heaven, then you got to say worshiping Caesar leads to heaven and worshiping Diana leads to heaven. I'm telling you, Jesus leads to heaven. And Onesiphorus said, I will die for this faith. So Paul says in here, he says, mercy to the household of Onesiphorus twice in the book of 2 Timothy, because he says, I want you to know, Timothy, how great this guy was. And I want God to show mercy to his wife, who's now a widow for the gospel. And his kids who don't have a daddy because he loved Jesus. And may God show mercy. Do you see this whole thing coming together? Sound teaching makes us realize the deposit that God has put in our life. And that deposit in our life changes everything so that now we can step out and say, why don't you sign my yearbook? I just want to encourage you. I don't care if anybody thinks this, that, or the other. And what you'll find is when you open up this word, you will see God has placed silver coin after silver coin after silver coin of truth, 
truth, truth, truth. And every time you open it up, you'll go, wow, that's the kind of husband I need to be. Wow, that's the kind of dad I need to be. That's the kind of single adult I need to be. That's the kind of high school student I'm gonna be. This is what prayer, I get to pray to you, God, and talk to God. Wow, that's amazing. I get to read your word and have multiple copies in my house. Incredible. I get to go to a church that teaches the word of God. Amazing. I get to be a part of missions and giving. Incredible. And we see all these things and we lay them out. But if you don't open the word, you'll never see the gold. You'll never see the silver. But you open it up day by day and you realize how precious what God has given you in the gospel and given you in your life and given you in your heart and how precious this word is. And you will say with Onesiphorus, you'll say, I am guarding that one because it doesn't get any better than that. This is what my life is safe with. And I'll walk with Jesus till I die. God, we can, guard, we can give him our lives and entrust him to guard it. And yet he's given us precious things to guard as well. And it's immovable. It's strong. And it's from 1900s our church has been talking about the same things. Great for new churches. God bless every new church. We're all part of new churches. But you stand in our lives and our heart on the true scripture and you will be immovable of all that the Lord can do. And you'll find silver and you'll find gold and you'll find platinum and you'll find diamonds and you'll find Jesus. So we're going to choose to be refreshing and helpful. That's our choice. By walking out the truth of God. Will you choose that today? To be refreshing and helpful? Even if it's at social risk. And what I found in our lives, all of us, me included, we spend a whole lot of time guarding things that don't really matter. And not guarding the things that really do matter. And that makes all the difference. Father, we come in Jesus' name. We thank you, Lord, for refreshing, helpful, encouraging people in our lives. We don't know anybody that's perfect, but we know some people that are refreshing. May we be that, God. May we stand strong. May we walk with you in a powerful, powerful way, allowing you, God, to do your work in our lives. If we are not about sound teaching in this church, Father, may you shut the doors. And let that sound teaching, let us realize that the Holy Spirit is in-house. And that the gospel is true. If you don't know Christ as your Savior, I'll give you an opportunity to pray and ask Jesus to be your Savior. Maybe you came for FBA Day and you're like, I just came to because my kid told me to, and now I'm, I'm like, God's changed my life. You go with the Lord. If you don't know Christ as Savior, you pray and just say this. Jesus, I believe you came on Christmas to rescue my heart. You lived a sinless life and died on the cross to pay for my sins. And I place my faith in Good Friday to be my payment for sin. Forgiveness, I ask for. Come live inside of me. 
so that when I die, there'll be an Easter. And I'll rise to live with you in heaven. Save my soul. Forgive my sins. I trust you. If you prayed that, meant that Jesus came into your heart through the Holy Spirit. He lives inside of you now. We'll help you. We'll help you grow. If you're a believer in Christ, would you just pray and say, God, make me a refresher to other people. Give me the strength to be a guard of the gospel. Love you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to the teaching ministry of Houston's First Baptist Church. We invite you to worship with us at one of our four locations, at The Loop, Cypress, Downtown, or Siena. Follow us on social media or visit us online at houstonsfirst.org.